sorry, it's good afternoon. <laughs> We're usually studying in the, in the morning. Happy Sabbath. Ah, I love that song, one of my favorites, It Is Well With My Soul. <clears throat> Just thinking about what I'm going to talk about today, you know, when you are in Christ, it is well with your soul. I was in Sabbath school this morning, and we talked about the Hebrew boys, and we talked about Joseph, we talked about those who were faithful. When you are faithful to God, it is well with your soul, no matter what the condition is. And I want to tell you this morning, this afternoon, friends, that when you are at the house of the Lord, in this particular place, I don't want to minimize what you're going through. I don't want to minimize your experience. But I want to let you know that when you come to the Lord, when you come to God's presence, it should be. And actually, it is well with your soul and mine. So I want to thank um, your church for graciously inviting me through your pastor to come and share with you today. Um, he reminded me this week that I'm supposed to be here. And of course, you know what happened yesterday. We were snowed in. Um, and I tried to get out in the afternoon. Um, and I couldn't. I was able to reverse, but I couldn't move forward or backward. So I tried hard and got back into my garage. I had to call somebody to come and plow my my driveway so I could get out. And I wanted to come here today. Um, I've heard so much about this church. Way back from when Pastor Shin was here, he was a good friend of mine and he wanted me to come here and I never got the chance to come. Um, and Israel has been working so hard to get me here, but somehow <laughs> I never got the chance to come. And then Pastor Silva finally had the silver bullet that got me here. <laughs> So I'm thankful to be here this morning. Um, even though I don't know many of you, I know some of you in here, but even if I don't know you, I want you to know that I'm your brother. You're my brother, my sister. The one place in all the world where I am most comfortable is in God's house, Amen. no matter where I am. So um, if I'm too comfortable, please forgive me, but I'm in my father's house, <laughs> okay? So. Um, I just want to thank you again that uh, I'm here with you. I know many of you don't know me. You probably read my name. My name is Tom Owiti. Um, I'm from Kenya originally. I've been here for a number of years. I came to school. I ended up working here. And so right now, I live here and I work at the conference office serving this uh, good conference. And I'm so grateful for your faithfulness and uh, looking forward to um, interacting more with you. And so I hope that uh, you, look, you, you look diverse enough that I don't have to worry about how I speak because you will hear me and understand me, okay? Is there anybody who can't understand what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I'll try to be slow because sometimes I get excited and I will speak very fast. So I'll try to be slow enough so that you can understand me. So before we begin, I, I just want to say uh, thank the Lord because I was wondering what to share with you. And then I want to thank one of my friends who's actually watching me live right now um, for sharing what I'm going to share with you on Thursday. We were just fellowshipping. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Have faithful Christian friends who can feed you and you can feed off from, who you can feed as well. 
sharing the word of God is powerful. I didn't know I was going to preach this until we were talking. And then I said, I think you just gave me the someone I'm going to preach on Sabbath. And this was Thursday. And I asked, may I go preach that someone? And she said, absolutely. So I want to thank that friend of mine. And um, before we begin, let's pray. Father in heaven, I stand before your children here this afternoon, having prepared a message that I believe you gave to me to share with them. But Lord, you are the one who knows what your children need to hear today. So I just pray, Lord, that whatever I'm going to say, that your Holy Spirit will translate thus this word and meet the needs of everyone here in the various ways. But Lord, when your children leave this place, they will know that they've heard your voice and not mine. I pray that I will decrease as you increase. But Lord, I just also pray that if there's anything I've prepared that I need to get away, please take it away and put your words in my mouth that I will only say what you have for me to say. We ask for these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the topic is very easy. We got it from the verse, free indeed. John chapter 8 verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Um, we pride ourselves in living in a country that is said to be the land of the free and the brave. Are you free and are you brave? What makes you free and what makes you brave? Is it in the power of your armed forces? Is it in the power of the finances? Is it in whatever it is that you might think about? What makes you feel free and brave in this country? Jesus Christ, amen. Anybody else? You can't beat that. But you know, whenever we talk about the, the land of the free and the brave, we usually think about what? The armed forces. Because that's what we know. We send everybody everywhere to take care of issues. And we think a lot uh, highly about, and I don't discredit um, our armed forces. But I just want to tell you that that will never set you free. Yes, we are free and brave, yet we are so afraid that we have to take care of all these things. We have to spend so much money in weapons to protect ourselves. Are we really free? But the Bible tells me in um, John chapter 8, verse 36, that if the Son, who is the Son? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Therefore shall set you free. You shall be free. And not just free. Free indeed. I want to take you to the story of Abraham starting from um, Genesis chapter 15. Um, and I will do quite a bit of Bible reading today because um, I think it's important for us to do that Bible reading. And so, the Bible introduces the story of Abraham after these things in verse 1 of chapter 15, Genesis. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not. I am, <clears throat> fear not Abraham, I am thy shield thy exceeding great reward. And verse two, and Abraham said, Lord, 
What will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And the Lord says, and Abraham said again in verse 3, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came into him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And then the Lord brought him out and showed him the skies and said, Look toward heaven and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And said unto him, So shall your seed be. Abraham is advanced age and uh, <laughs> he wants an heir, but he only sees a foreigner being an heir to all the things that God has blessed him with. So fast forward, Abraham having been given a promise, chapter 16, Sarah says, Brian, we are old. I don't think we can do it. Let me give you my servant and you know, go into her and we can have the heir. And sure enough, it happened. Had God promised Abraham? Yes. Now, what was in Abraham's mind at this time? I need an heir to continue my line, to uh, inherit my stuff. So they get Ishmael. And then Sarah, Hagar becomes hard-headed and Sarah makes life hard for her and she runs away. And God tells her, come back. Go back to your mistress and humble yourself. And she comes back, and of course, Ishmael is born. And God comes to um, Abraham again in chapter 17. Now, Abraham was 90 years old, chapter verse 1, 90 and 9. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. I will multiply thee exceedingly. Remember the promise had been given in chapter 15. Now it's chapter 17. And verse 3 says, And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abraham, but thy name shall be who? Abraham. Meaning? You will be the father of many nations. I think about this story. And it's amazing how sometimes we try to help God. The Lord has promised. The Lord knows I want that job. The Lord knows I'm getting of age, I need to get married. The Lord knows I need that, and we try to help God. And Sarah and Abraham tried. They sure got something. A child was born, and God promised that. But God comes and says, mm -mm. when I promise, I deliver.
verse 7, verse 6, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God unto thee, and thy seed after thee. God is saying, look, I have made this pledge, and I'm going to deliver it not just to you, but to those who are coming after you. And God said, and um, verse 8, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in the generations. 10. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep before me and you thy seed. Therefore, every man, child among you shall be circumcised. So they make this covenant with God, and God, um, we can see later on in, uh, towards the end that um, on the same day, Abraham was circumcised, Ishmael was circumcised, and all the males in his home. But before that, in verse 15, God says, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, meaning princess, but Sarah, meaning um, I believe, I forget the meaning of the word, shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Now we know the Bible goes on and tells us that, you know, um, Isaac was a child of promise, but Ishmael was a child of works, okay? So he says, and Sarah shall be a mother and of nations, kings of people shall be of her. <laughs> then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. You know why? He was now 99, and Sarah was also very old, and in his human mind, Impossible. But I'm reminded of Mark, I think, 9.23. Whatsoever is impossible with man is possible with who? With God. And so Abraham fell to his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael. Remember? Lord, I already worked something out. You promised, and something's worked out. Ishmael is here. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son. You know, I think of God's graciousness. Abraham is trying to bring him back to where they've come from. But God says, hey, look, I still promised. And so, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call him Isaac. God even gives a name to this son. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, what was in the mind of Abraham when God talked to him in verse chapter 15? 
I want an heir. What shall you give me? And God promised, I'm going to give you an heir. They worked hard, did what they could do, and they got Ishmael. And to Abraham, this was it. But God says, look, Abraham, when I promise, I deliver. So in verse 19, God tells him, it is Sarah who's going to bear a child, and that child will be called Isaac. Skipping some verses there, chapters there, going to chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said, did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. God's timing, God's providence, of which God had spoken. And Abraham called the name of his son, uh, which was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him. You hear the repetition. This son that was born unto Abraham, God had promised him, and it is Sarah who bore him. God is, the Bible is trying to tell us that it is not about what you do, but what God delivers. Whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac, that was the name, and verse 4, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Fast forward 13 years later, and the kids were playing, and Ishmael was being unfair to Isaac. And Sarah went and complained, and Ishmael and his mother were sent away. Now Abraham had two sons. One son by his effort, the other son by promise. Remember, his major question was, God, whom shall you give me to be an heir to what you blessed me with? So I think Abraham and Sarah became brave enough to the extent that Sarah recommended that they'll be sent away. So everything about Abraham and his future relies on someone called Isaac. Isaac, the child of promise. And Abraham's I believe all the workers were told, this is the man to look. This is the man that God has given me. This is the person that will take after me. As we talked with my friend, something came up. But sometimes we take so much time and focus on the gift that we have received from God that we forget the giver. And so God comes around in chapter 22 and tests Abraham. Chapter 22, verse 1 of Genesis. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. As a father, verse 2 is one that really touches home. And God said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, 
and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering before upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Hope has been fulfilled. Now I have a son. I have an heir. My life, my future is set. And God says, uh-oh. I want that very thing that you've placed all your hopes on. I don't know about you, many of you who are parents, maybe some of you who are not parents might not identify with this. Which of your children, if you have more than one, which one will you offer if God asks you to choose? Even the most troublesome one, I will tell you, And suppose he's the only child that you have that you hope, all your hopes, all your children are gone wayward, but this is the only one who is in church. And God says, I want that one. Perhaps you are in a bad economic straits, and there's this child who is really helping you. And God says, I want that one. And we can picture Abraham now in verse 3. He wakes up early in the morning. Didn't even have time to tell Sarah. And friends, I think there are some times when the life of faith has to be between you and God only. You know, we will, we will be saved alone. But through our effort, others can be saved. But each of us will give an account of ourselves. Sometimes you may have to walk alone. And Abraham takes Isaac and some of his servants and they start the three-day journey toward where God is going to show them. Now, think about Abraham living in a play in a heathen country where they sacrifice their children to the gods. And Abraham is a servant of the Most High God. I wonder if he asked God, what will these people say now if I sacrifice my child? Because they will hear it. I wonder if Abraham asked, are you going to give me another child? I'm putting myself in the shoes of Abraham at this point. What questions would you ask? You know, you, some of you students going through school right now, you have put all your hopes on that social work degree, on that medical degree, on that physical therapy degree, on that PhD. And then God gives you a call that asks you to forsake that and follow him. Bound by the things that we can see, things that we can touch, things that we can plan and action. And Abraham was bound to this gift that God had given him. His son, his future. And so when I fast forward 
Abraham goes up to a point where he says, now it's me and Isaac. And he takes the firewood and all the stuff and say, now let's go. He told the young man, you remain here. We're going to go and worship. Then we'll come back. And the son asks a very difficult question in verse 7. My father, and Abraham says here, and my son. And he said, behold the fire, and behold the wood, but where is the lamb? I don't know how I would have answered that question. But let me share with you something in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 <laughs> and I will start from verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered by his own begotten son, of whom it is said, this that is in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting, now Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise him up, that's Isaac, even from the dead from whence he also received him in figure. Think about that. Abraham's body, Sarah's body was essentially dead. But Isaac came from dead bodies. And Hebrews reminds us that by faith, Abraham believed that if he loses Isaac, God is still able to raise him up from the dead as he did from the dead bodies. So in verse um, 8, Abraham says, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both up. And we can see they go up there. I don't know what the conversion was. But Abraham bound up Isaac and lifted up the knife to kill him. His only hope, all his future was right here. And here he was going to destroy his future. Why? Because God had asked for him. I don't know how the scene turns out, but I believe his hands was coming down and he hears the voice, Abraham, Abraham. And he could remember that voice. And he said, here am I. Verse 12. And God said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. Because you did not withhold thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eye and looked, and behold him behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering, 
instead of his son. I was looking at my Bible as I was reading it. I referenced John chapter 8, verse 56. I believe we read John 8, 36. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Now let's turn to John chapter 8, verse 56. There is a conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders here. They are claiming that they are children of Abraham, and Jesus is conversing with them and telling back and forth uh, from verse 31. But in verse 56, Jesus says something. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. That's a cross-reference for me from that verse 13 of Genesis chapter 22. And I looked at my Bible again. There's a cross-reference to John chapter 8, verse 37 and 39. And it says, I know that ye are seeds of Abraham, but ye seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you've seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? We know that he believed God. We, believe, we know that Abraham gave up the only thing that his faith, that his future was hung on. And God says, now I know that you believe me. And verse 14 says, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We know that was Mount Moriah. Looking at the references, that's where Jesus was, uh, was um, crucified, and that's where Solomon built the temple. Now, Abraham was so focused on his future that when Isaac was born, Everything was relying on Isaac. And God asked for Isaac. Then God came and rescued Isaac. And we know what the rest of the story is. The question I have for you this morning, this afternoon, brothers and sisters, is what is it that you're holding on to if the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Is your job holding you up from giving yourself to the Lord? Are you free from your job? Or that's one thing you'd rather keep and keep God on the side? You know, because the job will give you an income. You can drive the nice car, you can have a nice house, It'll give you status in society. You know, who doesn't want that? But would you compromise God for that job? Is it a relationship? Your boyfriend or your girlfriend? You know for sure that God has a plan for you. But somehow, there's this non-Adventist or there's this person who doesn't meet the criteria 
but you're hanging on to them. Or you're spending so much time with them, you don't have time for Bible study. That your faith starts to go down because of a person. That's one o'clock time I normally pray, I'm sorry. <laughs> or, what is it that is holding you up? Friends, is it that property that you recently purchased? You're spending so much time paying for it, now maintaining it and keeping it and securing it. Perhaps, your ministry, you're a church pastor, or you're a deacon, you're a deaconess, you're a head elder of the church, you're a head deaconess, the church needs you so much, that you, your time is consumed with that, that you have no time for God. You know, you can be bound to your ministry. Your job can bind you. Your friends can bind you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your appearance. You know, we talked about fame or power or, you know, riches. Those things can bind us, you know. Um, this morning we talked about some people who I know personally who are Seventh-day Adventists, but because of politics, they compromise on their faith and do things that um, just to serve their personal interests and serve other human beings when God is calling us to faithfulness. But when Abraham saw God's day, he was liberated. Abraham gave away Isaac and God acknowledged that as an act of faith. And from that point onward, we see Abraham's life is totally different. So has the son set you free? Have you given up yourself to God and allowed God to direct your path? We normally read um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Commit your ways and to who? To the Lord. And he shall do what? Direct your paths. Okay, he says, commit your ways unto the Lord and lean not unto what? Your own understanding. Abraham leaned unto their own understanding with Sarah. Ishmael was born. And we know what's going on in the Middle East until now. But when he decided to give up Isaac, there has been a difference in the life. You know, you and I are children of faith because of what Abraham did. In spite of his mistakes, God's promise still follows through. And so if any of you might be discouraged about your faults, your mistakes in the past, it's never too late with God. As long as you still breathe, there's always an opportunity with God. He's a God of second chances. And this morning, this afternoon, friends, Christ wants to set you free. He wants to set you free so that you are free indeed. Is there anything that still holds you back from the Lord? 
I want to end with this to invite you to a life of stewardship. A life of stewardship is also a life of discipleship. Just three things to remember. Just three things to remember. Who is a disciple? And perhaps who is a, a steward? Number one. A disciple is one who accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. Which means we accept what he has done for us and not try to earn our own salvation. And once we accept what he has done for us, then we will go where he sends, we'll do what he asks us to do, we will say what he wants us to say. He becomes the direction of our life. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with who? With Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And then he adds this, this verse that I like. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A disciple accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. Number two, a disciple commits to a growing relationship with God. A growing relationship meaning that from what you were yesterday with the Lord is better today. You are constantly growing in knowing him, knowing his will, through Bible study, through prayer, and through your witnessing. It's not enough just to study the word of God. You know his will. Then you pray to get the power to do his will. And when you get the power to do his will and do it, you become a witness. It's not enough just to study and pray. Number three, a disciple is one who integrates the lordship of Christ in every area of daily living. Meaning, there's no point at which you're not a Christian. When you're on the road driving, and I can see some people nodding their heads, you know what happens when someone cuts you off. Yeah? You feel like doing certain things or behaving a certain way, then you remember, I am a disciple. When you walk into work and you think, oh, I'm only an accountant, I managed to keep numbers, and you're asked to do something that you know is not right, you remember, I'm a disciple. Because the Lord has set you free, but you're not careful to think about what man would think about you. You're thinking about what the Lord thinks about you. That's the experience I got from reading the book, um, the story of Abraham. When you are at school and you know you, have, you are late with an assignment, the easy thing is to ask your friend, can I copy your work and you, know, you quickly do it? Yes, you may do it and you, know, you won't be found. But a disciple will take the time to work. Even ask, you know, I may be late. A disciple who integrates the lordship of Christ in every area of daily living will be like a Daniel, will be like a Joseph, will be like Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that even when faced with death, Revelation 2 verse 10 says, 
Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Friends, I want to invite you this afternoon to consider your life. Personally, I want to consider my life as well. Is there anything that still stands between you and the Lord? I want to tell you one thing in closing, closing. Your future and my future is secure with Christ. There's no doubt in my mind. No matter what happens here, no matter what I gain here, no matter what I lose here, no matter what you gain or lose in this world, your future, if it is in Christ, is secure. Are you willing, like Abraham, to forsake that which you have planned that which holds everything for you. And say, Lord, I turn it over. You'll be free indeed. Therefore, if the Son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Has the Son set you free? Will you let him set you free? He's knocking at your door, willing to set you free even this moment. May the Lord bless you as you go this afternoon that you will allow the Lord to come in your heart and set you free. Amen.